Hi friends, I'm finally back with another episode of Without the Footnotes, not your typical Holocaust lecture. It has been a while since I've done a recording, as many of you know, well hopefully you've listened to all the episodes by now, you've had a chance to catch up, but as many of you know, I went back to the UK for the first time since the pandemic happened at the end of August and I actually ended up staying until the beginning of October and then since then I've just been extremely busy with some different projects. Um, One was for Histocon where we actually did some live shows on YouTube. If you follow me on Instagram then you may have seen me posting about that. I actually work for Histocon as a content creator and kind of the voice of their online community. Um, I create the educational content that you'll see on their Instagram so if you're interested in that please go and follow. We've got some new exciting projects projects coming up soon um and what else did I do I was also um like a supporting educator educator for um, March of the Living UK so they actually did their first trip to Germany to Berlin and as I live here I just reached out and offered my (laughs) expertise and services so I was very lucky to actually be invited along as yeah kind of like an extra educator just to support them in their first um yeah trip to Berlin and the trip itself was absolutely incredible met some really amazing people of course the survivors that they had with them they had four survivors um and we were able to go to Ravensbrück concentration camp and Bergen-Belsen with them and witness their testimony there so it was a very it was it was a very very special trip these kinds of trips always are um very interesting for me to be in to go in the capacity of not a particip- participant or student but actually as um yeah as an educator and just to be able to witness the testimony of survivors of the holocaust and specifically the camps that we were vis- visiting was just really a great honor um yeah, so I just this this week's episode. I know that I'm I'm currently doing um, I'm currently going country by country uh, to explain how the Holocaust um, happened in each country, and um, yeah, just to provide a bit of background information and a kind of starting point for everyone if you want to in, research and investigate a bit more yourself. But this trip was so impactful that I want to take a little break from that maybe for a couple of weeks and I want to actually talk about some of the survivors and their stories and the kind of work that they do and kind of give you some insight into that Um, because I think it's really important and you know sometimes it's quite unbelievable to to think that there are still survivors out there who are able to do these trips and who are able to still talk about their experiences and and really um, yeah be able to share that with people I mean some of these survivors I mean all of them they're in their early 90s so really really incredible thing to be a part of if you are interested in March of the Living if you are from the UK please do go to their website and have a look at the work that they do they do an annual trip to Poland um, same kind of situation it's a longer trip than than this Berlin one but they do an annual trip to Poland where you will visit different sites of memory and yeah there will be survivors and the best educators that you will ever come across um yeah just taking you through that kind of journey to understand how the holocaust happened in poland um what did i have anything else to say oh 
apparently the podcast is a year old already. I don't know quite how that's happened. Probably it's got something to do with the pandemic and not really noticing time going by. But the podcast is a year old, which I'm actually really proud of. And it's amazing that in a year, the opportunity that that just doing these weekly podcasts has actually given me, given me, um, I've been able to connect with some incredible people and do some really amazing and fulfilling work so far. And everything feels like it's only just beginning, which is great. I can't wait to share with you some future projects that I've got lined up with some some people. And hopefully 2022 will only continue to build on what has already been achieved. So anyway, I think that will be it for the introduction today. Um, as I said, I will be I'm sharing some survivor stories, um, maybe for the next few weeks. And today I want to talk about um, Alfred Garwood. I want to talk about his story. So without further ado, let's just crack on with the episode. Okay, so here we go. As I said, I wanted to share some of Alfred Garwood's, one of the survivors who was on the March of the Living Trip, um, some of his testimony with you. I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it it actually is available online and I will tell you that at the end of the episode where you can go and look up his story and also some of the works that he has um, written, he's published. Um, I thought it was really really important to share his testimony because I was so moved when he spoke at the ceremony in Bergen-Belsen and even though I've been in this kind of field of work for like the last 10 years I'm continuously still surprised at the courage it takes to you know tell essentially a group of strangers the traumatic events that happen to you and your family um, and yeah, very, very personal stories. Um, and also testimony to me is so important. It's such an important part of understanding how the Holocaust happened. Um, yeah, um, trying to get your head around actually how how big this thing was and how awful. And just I think if we don't if we don't um, we don't look at testimony, we don't listen to it, we don't witness it. The Holocaust can kind of become this thing that seems like far away and distant and not so relevant. But I think when you hear testimony, it really brings it back. It really, really humanizes the the experience or the event itself and therefore brings you closer to understanding why it's so important to to learn about the Holocaust and about genocide in general and why we should be working towards preventing any further genocides to be happening or even you know you can take it down basically to why we should stand up against discrimination of all kinds and yeah I I mean I could I could talk forever but I'm, I find it really hard to kind of articulate the emotional side of witnessing testimony it's just so incredibly moving so I just wanted to try and share some of it with you and hopefully inspire you to maybe look at some more testimony um in the future or on your own time so um let me just get on with it anyway so Alfred was born in October of 1942 about 200 miles east of Krakow um I am this this everything that I'm kind of paraphrasing has been taken from his own testimony on the March of the Living website so I'm not going to take any credit for um 
yeah for for his own testimony but obviously I'm not I'll, I'll say when I'm quoting it, I will tell you when I'm quoting something that he's specifically written himself. So he's born in October 42, um, 200 miles east of Krakow. Um, at eight months old, him and his family were sent to Bergen-Belsen concentration camp and they arrived on the 6th of July 1943. So Bergen-Belsen was a prisoner of war and concentration camp in Lower Saxony in northern Germany. Now we all know that concentration camps were hellish places to be but Belsen in particular was absolutely horrific towards the end of its function as a camp overcrowding and complete lack of sanitation caused disease to completely ravage the people who were in in prison there um let let alone um anything else that was going on or anything else that you can imagine does happen in a concentration camp so i think many of you have heard of or know the story of anna frank and this is the camp within which her and her sister actually did die um Alfred and his family were held in a subcamp called the Stern, uh, sorry, Sternlager, meaning Star Camp. And this was for Jewish people who were supposedly to be exchanged for German nationals or for currency. And they were labelled as the exchange Jews. So in Alfred's words, and I quote, the winter of 1944 to 1945 was harsh. Food became extremely scarce and there was no longer enough water for bathing, washing clothes or even drinking. The camp deteriorated to the hellish conditions witnessed by the British when they arrived. And for those of you who don't know, Belson was liberated by the British. I think it was the only, um, was it the only camp? Um, I forget. And there are there is footage of this liber- liberation that some of you may have seen. And one of the most horrendous things that I learned whilst I was there, um, because there are still mass graves there, um, is that there were so many bodies just piled up and piled around that they just had to build all of these mass graves and just pile these bodies in. There was no identifying. There was no, you can, they didn't even have, they couldn't even count the amount of bodies. So each mass mass grave in Belsen, there's just an approximation of the amount of people that they think have been buried. They've had to bury basically. So yeah, there's um, some horrendous footage also of what they had to do in order to do that just because of the sheer amount of people that they had to, very and very quickly um so really really horrendous anyway um alfred's father was the children's camp hairdresser and aide to the jewish camp administrator and now i want to read you an excerpt from alfred's newest book it's from the introduction and it was what he read to us during the memorial ceremony it wasn't everything that he said but this was very very moving to me um it's so much so that I think it's obviously important to share so just to give you um yeah a brief insight insight into the experience of being imprisoned in this camp sorry I think I said that this this is from the introduction it's actually from the introduction to chapter two which is entitled legacies the name of the book is holocaust trauma and psychic defamation psychoanalytic reflections of a holocaust survivor for anyone interested it's alfred garwood and yeah i'm just going to read a short excerpt of what he um yeah read to us in the ceremony 
and I quote, David Faber was sent to Bergen-Belsen concentration camp in his tattered prisoner pyjamas in early April 1945. He recounts the following story. I woke on a bunk, dead men on either side of me. The stench of death was everywhere. Typhus. Delirious and shivering with fever, I knew I must get out or die with them. Somehow, I dragged myself into the fresh air and sat against the side of the barrack, warming my body in the sun. Gradually, as my vision cleared, I saw through the barbed wire a sight beyond belief. Between the piles of bodies, a man, dressed in normal clothes with a yellow star, was looking at me. He was carrying a blonde child in his arms and holding a little girl by the hand. I could not believe my eyes. He called to me in Polish and asked me to look for his family. He promised to give me bread. He threw some over the fence, sorry, over the barbed wire and I struggled to reach it in the desperate scramble it created. I clung onto a piece that I ate lovingly. He returned the next day. I had not been able to find any of his family but he still threw another piece of bread over. That brought me another day's life. The following day, when I looked for him, his part of the camp was deserted. I thought it must have been a delusion caused by delirium. My fever was worse and I soon became too weak to leave the barrack. Later, I cannot tell how long, I heard the voices of British soldiers. After I had been fed and nursed back into health, a British soldier approached me. Miraculously, it was my brother-in-law. My sister had gone to England before the war and they had married. He arranged for me to go to London and live with them in Black Lion Yard, just off the Whitechapel Road, the main street of the Jewish East End. Walking along the Black Lion Yard one afternoon, I saw a man coming towards me carrying a blonde child. He looked just like the man who had saved my life in Belson. I hesitated, then approached him cautiously. I asked apologetically so as not to offend him. Excuse me. But a man who looked just like you saved my life in Belsen. The man confirmed that it was he who had thrown the bread. We embraced, wept, then walked arm in arm to the man's tiny flat in old Montague Mansions on the corner of Black Lion Yard, amazingly just a few yards from my sister's flat. I was that child. The man carrying me was my father. As I write in the relative security of my life today, I am struck by the unreal quality of my experiences. This speaks powerfully of the defensive capacity of my mind. As I continue to remember, that familiar but indescribable awfulness rises to the surface and overwhelms me. It is a reminder that it was all too real and it is still with me. This piece of my history may convey the sense of dreadfulness that has pervaded my life as well as the sense that my existence is miraculous. Holocaust survivors were ordinary human beings who were forced to endure extraordinary events. The psychic processes available to them to respond were the same as those available to all humankind. End quote. So Alfred and his immediate family, his sister and mother and father, managed to survive the war and come to England. 
Alfred then founded in his later life Childs, the Child Survivor Group of Great Britain and co-founded the Survivor Centre in Hendon, London. He's also He also became a group analyst in order to learn how to heal psychological wounds. His latest book that I just read from, Holocaust Trauma and Psychic Deforma- Deformation, Psychoanalytic Reflections of a Holocaust Survivor, is available to buy. He told me actually that it's available on Amazon. So if any any of you are interested, please do buy it. Um, and you can also, as I said at the beginning, read Alfred's full story at www.marchoftheliving.org.uk. And what I've just read to you is doesn't even touch the surface, I would say, but it was an incredible honour to witness his testimony at Belson. And what I think the least I can do as an educator is to share that small part of it with you. And I really would urge you to go on and read his story and read his works. I hope what I have shared today and what I've read has um, resonated with, with some of you and maybe even encourages you to be proactive and to read some more testimony Um yeah, and just find out what the different different experiences of different survivors of the Holocaust actually are. Um, as you can hear in Alfred's writing, it affects people for their entire lives and generations that come after them. So, yeah, that was just me trying to encourage you all somehow to to maybe yeah bear witness however you can. Um, I think that actually is it for today um i hope you have enjoyed the new episode i have really missed um, the weekly podcasts and i will be very very happy to be back recording and to be yeah i just imparting what knowledge i have and and the research that i do about the holocaust and genocide and i think one thing that i have learned from um yeah doing going on the trip with march of the living um how long ago was it now? A week ago? Only a week ago. Has really renewed my my passion for educating people on this topic. So as ever, if you are really interested, please rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends and family if you think this is something that they could be interested in. And always, as always, contact me with anything. Maybe you have some family testimony to share, whether that be survive, a survivor story or just how in general your family may have been affected during the war. Um, Yeah, I'm always open. So it's info at withoutthefootnotes.org. If you are interested in any of my work or would like to get like any guidance or even to get involved, who knows? Um, Yeah, I'm always open to, um, yeah, to talking to people about anything that I do. And you never know, maybe there is something that we can collaborate on. It feels weird saying collaborate. Um, Anyway, that's it for this week. And I will definitely be back next week with another episode. And as I said, it's probably, probably in the next few weeks will, will be some survivor stories just to share with you just because of the experience that experiences that I've had recently. So yeah, that's it. I guess I will catch you next time. Ciao.